and we could do a clap in three, two, one. Clap. <laughs> I feel like I started that as like a church sermon. Let us all come together to record. <laughs> and we all press the button. And on the count of three, we clap for our Lord, Xander Christ. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, we'd always have salads with dinners like when I was growing up. And he'd always go, let us eat lettuce. And it... <laughs> For like a decade, almost every night, and it never stopped cracking him up. <laughs> you know, your dad has a good sense of humor, I think. <laughs> it's a very dad joke, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let us take a couple seconds. Sorry, now I'm now it's in my head. Uh, let's take a couple <laughs> seconds and we can keep going. Oh, brother. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two stupendous human beings, Kara Shamborski. Hey. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Thank you both so much for being on the show this week. I am super excited to talk to the both of you, if only because, one, it's been so long, and two... We're talking about a fantastic book from our Goodreads Book of the Month. But before we get into all that, let's talk about the thing we talk about every week. Let me ask you the question I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kara. Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for asking. I woke up at an ungodly hour of the morning this morning to go to an antique fair that took over like an entire town a little ways away from me. And in this town, there is a store called man takes and man takes sells so (laughs) much pop culture paraphernalia it was ridiculous uh uh, i was with a friend who specifically wanted me to see their star wars collection but then we quickly Mm -hmm. got distracted by everything else like there was a uh sailor moon uh like i i hesitate to call it either a doll or an action figure but somewhere between the two from the 90s that like the box was beat to heck and the figure was like colored dis- distorted because it's like 30 years old at this point and they were trying mm-hmm. to sell it for $50 and I was like friends if this was 20 it would be in my bag already but this is a little yeah. too much um but I did end up getting a princess leia figure that looks like a pantsuit Jesus that just happens to have Leia's hair and some breasts. And I saw it. Okay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so um, it was an interesting morning. It was, there was a lot of stuff, <laughs> but that's what I walked away with. Um, my friend I mean, bought a California like a great way to spend your morning. I mean, my, my friend walked out with a California raisin puppet, like a hand puppet. That's a California <laughs> what raisin. The- <laughs> what is this magical place you discovered? Mantiques. Mantiques. <laughs> like I hate the name so much, but I also can't stop laughing about it, so it was fine. Um but yeah, the dudes who were working there were really earnest and like just they were all older and I was just like, wow man, like you made you made a whole store out of this. This is great. I almost bought a tiny Eevee figure. But it was like literally an inch high and they wanted $8 for it. And I was like, 
Mm. I'm sorry. Is this from the 90s? Like, is the, are you saying this is vintage? I will give you $2 for this, friends. So, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time. Um, in terms of comic books, uh, I saw that Giant Days Volume 10 was on Hoopla. So I read that and enjoyed myself oh. immensely because that series is everything. Mm-hmm. I'm so behind. Oh, man, it's so good. So volume 10 is the start of our three our three lady friends' third and final year of university because this takes place in the UK and they do three years of university instead of four like we do in the US. And uh, the part that resonated me with me the most is the part where they go to the career fair that their school is hosting so they can see what they want to do with their lives after uh, after college is over, which is super crucial mm-hmm. because Daisy is an archaeology major and Esther is an English major. So they're like, well, you know, 20% of us already are going to go into like retail and working at bars. So let's just get this over with. But then like everyone wants to hire Daisy because she's so organized and she can't deal with the pressure. So she gets Susan to be her secretary and like field the calls from all the people who <laughs> want to work for her. I love it. So Susan's like negotiating for her starting salary and the highest one she gets is from like a drone warfare company and Daisy's like <laughs> absolutely not. But um they had a really like one of the things that I like about Giant Days is the the writer always manages to find a way to like use the 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 banter between the girls to say something actually really insightful about the world that we're living in so as part of this career fair thing they go off on this rant about how it's like why are we even doing this like capitalist nonsense in medieval times do you think the blacksmith spent like nine to five working on blacksmithery no he'd spend like three hours doing the thing he needed to do that day and then go do whatever like why are we still doing that and i was like why aren't we still doing that what is this so (laughs) that okay yeah that hits so close to home i was at a get together what two days ago and it gets to be like 8 p.m and everyone's like yeah i gotta go home to like log back in to go do more work and I'm like oh why is this the world we live in yeah i just I, like yeah, what I, the fuck i read an <laughs> <That's> article <gross. laughs> i know i read an article in the atlantic the other day about basically how meritocracy is failing us because it's just making us work more and more and more and we're getting less and less happy and yep. satisfied and it's like this weird rat race that we all are like complicit in but can't get off of and it's making us all miserable and is it really helping us at all and i was just like i don't know anymore no help how do we stop it i don't know <laughs> so yeah. reading that and then going into this volume of giant days was maybe not the best idea but also now i'm just like thoughtful and reflective about the state of the world today comic books aren't just comic books you know <laughs> I also read a really deep book this week. Please ask me about it right after that discussion of our current political like econ- and economic status because it's going to really line up well, I think. Bob's Burgers Volume 1. Yes, I love that thing. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. Okay, fantastic show. 
And I decided when I moved and didn't have Xander to hang out with in the evening that I was going to finally sign up for that free 30 days of Comixology Unlimited. Silly me thought I'd have some free time to read comics, which it turns out moving takes way more time than one would anticipate. And also, I've had to work remotely, so it's just... But whatever. Anyway, I read this. And... If you want something to turn off your brain to, boy, have I got the book for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is, this is the one from Dynamite in 2015 that's just Bob's Burgers Volume 1. I think there's other Bob's Burgers Volume 1s, but then they have names after, like titles after them, which, you know, comics numbering is always delightfully confusing. Um, But there's five writers listed and ten artists listed, so I'm not going to go through it all all of them because what what it is is it's they're in canon stories created by the tv shows producers writers and animators so it's just the normal team they just made comics instead of the show and then it's overseen by this series creator lauren mm, bichard is that how we pronounce that i don't know Um, let's go with that yeah so is it as good as the show nah but like it's still fun Especially because each little thing is like through a different character's perspective, one of the different kids. And so there's the Tina focused one, are Tina's um, erotic friend fiction. And the um. Louise ones are all mysteries, and I forget what they're called. And then the um, Gene ones are all musicals that he writes about him and his, you know, little farting keyboard. And so they're like quirky and fun and each story, and there's like two stories per issue because these are very short little things. Like each one has at least one good laugh in it. So Mm -hmm. if you're looking for cotton candy in your free time, they're like maybe a palate cleanser between books that make you think, then this is the one for you. Like if you're a fan of the show, I don't know that I would recommend buying it for more than a couple bucks. So interesting but it also i think regularly isn't very much money on comiXology um it's definitely less than 10 showing up for me but i also have some discounts applied right now because of still being that unlimited discount thing so it says the normal price is 10.99 for like 150 pages of comic so i have to say like i i read this series when it was coming out because that's when i was just getting into watching Bob's Burgers uh-huh. and I still giggle if I think about they because like you said there's it's mostly vignettes of the three different kids but there are like yeah. one page gags for Linda yep. and Bob and I want to be Linda when I grow up and there's this one one page gag where I think it's like she's writing a list and uh, yeah hers like, are all le- letters Right, like this is one where she was just like, it becomes apparent as you're reading through the list that she was getting drunker and drunker on wine and there's like wine scenes on it (laughs) all over the place. And I just, I I forget the exact gag, but just I remember it made me so cheerful when I read it that even just like thinking about that wine stained page, I'm like, thank you just for this. There's a one page gag of... um, Bob that he because all his are um, instead of letters his are all recipes uh, for different burgers and he has a list of burger like brainstorming ideas for biblical themed burgers (laughs) and they are very good Um, I wish I had it in front of me but honestly it's 
you you got to read it for yourself. It'll be much funnier if you see it than listening to me talk about it. So <laughs> right, um, right. I won't spoil it. But yeah, it, it is. It has been fun. And would I go out and buy this now to have on my shelf forever? Like I want to go do with Heathen now that I've read it digitally. Um, no, but I don't regret the time spent reading it. So right. That's so that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. If you do it in like a movie rating scale, it's like, do you go to the movies to see this? Do you rent it, or do you actually, you know, buy the DVD? Yeah. Um. I mean, this is probably this more is of a, good a rent Netflix watch kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mike, how about you? What do you read? Yeah, for me this week, uh, I was traveling. I was in Seattle, so I pretty much just like shirked all of my responsibilities for a week, which is kind of weird because I was like in a different time zone. Therefore, my brain wasn't functioning. Yeah, I wasn't in like my normal habit of doing things. So like emails went out late. Things on Patreon went out late. Like I totally just goofed, scheduled things for the wrong time. So all of our tweets went out at a weird time. It was a whole thing. So um, now I'm back in it. I did manage to sit down and read some comics. I finally read Kid Gloves by Lucy Nisley, and I don't want to talk about it because I cried like a baby (laughs) reading that book. It absolutely wrecked me out of fear for a human person's life. That's all I'll say. You should read it. It's a very good read, but man, it'll bust you right up. Uh, Secondary, though, I did read a very fun, happy-go-lucky book named uh, Witch Hat Atelier. This is volume two of the series by Komomi Shirahama. This is a very, very gorgeous fantasy book about our main character, Coco, who wants to be a witch, even though she's just a regular person and she shouldn't have magic and shouldn't be able to cast spells. But it turns out that in this world of Witch Hat Atelier, you don't need to have anything about you to cast spells. You just need to know the secrets of magic, which is how to draw them, how to push your will into them. And it's essentially drawing pictures with circles. And as soon as you close a circle, a spell is cast. It doesn't require really anything else. Um, And this is the secret that Coco discovers in volume one. And in volume two, there's a bit of a, I don't want to spoil anything that happens in volume one, but the main character Coco and some of the other witches in training find themselves in a very precarious situation inside of a maze um, that they didn't know they got into. Uh, They using some very clever spellcraft and Coco's ability to kind of just think of a plan on the spot. They manage to get out of this situation. And on top of that, they build into the lore of this world. But as some of the other side characters reveal things that we didn't know from the previous volume, I cannot recommend this manga enough. If you're looking for something that is not just going to be, you know, characters fighting each other and trying to up their power levels. This is a very nice, wholesome, cute, good-natured manga um, that's just all about people coming together and helping each other for the sake of helping each other. Uh, I I don't know. This is from Kodansha Comics. I really recommend it if you want just a really cool fantasy book. So I, I love that. I cannot wait for the next volume. It comes out so slowly because this book is actually being released, I think, almost in parallel with the Japanese um, copies of it. So I think the U.S. is like one volume behind and getting it to the U.S. is a whole thing. So I think the next volume comes out at the end of this month and they're like on a every other month type of release schedule. So uh, I can't wait for volume three. It's so, so good. The magic system is so fantastic. I think like if you're into fantasy novels like your Brandon Sanderson's or the guy that wrote Name in the Wind whose name I can't think of like books that have a very detailed 
well-crafted magic system, I think this manga will work for you because there is like a logic behind all of the choices and everything that is done with magic in this book. And it's it's so impressive. Uh, and for those of you out there who may may recognize this name, Kamomi Shirahama, they used to do covers for DC for a while, and then they went back to Japan, and now they're making their own manga. But yeah, this book is fantastic. So if you get a chance, I highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. It's one of my top books right now next to Delicious in Dungeon. Man. So that's me. I, I, ne- I never get interested in manga, and you sold me on that. I'm adding Kate, it to you gotta try my it. shopping list right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was if at Goodwill the other day. Get it from the library. I, I was at Goodwill. I checked. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I was at Goodwill the other day because moving, and uh, they had a whole shelf of different mangas that someone had clearly donated, you know, their, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. box of them. And I almost grabbed some, but then I'm like, what am I? No. I, after just moving all my books and comics, which is, which is what makes you acutely aware of the fact that you never get rid of singles, like ever, mm. even if you didn't like them, <laughs> you just stick yeah. them in that short box and don't think about it. Um, yeah. I was like, I can't buy more comics. I can't do it. So... I, yeah. I really do need to prune my stuff more, but it's so hard. It's it so is painful. Hard, but it's worth it. I did that a couple of years ago with my long boxes, and I, I consolidated everything that I really wanted to keep into, like, two, three short boxes. And it's mostly stuff where I was like, okay, did I really have an emotional attachment with this series? Yeah. Do, does yeah. it come in a trade that I would rather have? Can I get it from the library? Because there's some just stuff that I liked that for whatever reason, enough people didn't like where they didn't make right. it a book. So stuff like that, I tend to hold on to longer. Right, right. Yeah, the I think so. I don't actually have um, in terms of comics, what is more crippling is my trade collection than my singles (laughs) because I tend to trade weight like most image books Mm -hmm. and that and I read a lot of image so um I have so many and I got rid of a lot and I even got rid of some that I um well I sold them to a used bookstore so there were things like Civil War like is it a good comic yeah am I gonna reread it and if I am do I have to reread my own copy nah so I dumped a lot of like I like I got rid of my Watchmen paperback because I'm like I will be able to find that anywhere and am I going to reread it Uh, yeah I still have mine of that but that's one of the ones I've been eyeballing as a likely for the exact same reason it's very easy to find so ubiquitous yeah Yeah. well to wrap this up my I will say the Witch Hat Atelier is on Comixology for cheaper than the paperback copy by like four or five dollars Nice. So I will recommend if you're if you're not looking to you know take up space and manga can be very a lot there can be a lot of manga yeah um, especially in, for some given series so I would say you know pick this up on Comicsology it's cheap it's like ten bucks yeah um, compared to the thirteen dollar trade that's, so save yourself a few other, dollars that's the big selling point of digital for sure yeah uh, the thing about I, and this is like a whole other discussion like we've there have been like inklings of having just a very focused manga episode or mini series maybe that we do um but the thing i really enjoy about uh viz and kadansha and some of the other manga publishers yen press is also up there um when you're buying digital copies from amazon or from comiXology they're usually 
two to three dollars cheaper than their paperback counterparts because they get it those publishers understand that like if you're trying to sell in big volumes you should discount it because there isn't really a physical price to these books it's just distribution so if you're if you're trying to save a couple bucks that'd be my recommendation but we got to move on let's talk about comics that are coming out in this upcoming week august 28 2019 when comics are coming out what are you both excited for this week let's start with you kate I, when I moved and I moved all my books and I, some of these books I've never read, I went, you know, I don't need to get a library card. I'm just going to read the stuff I already own. What and a then I looked rap. at what's coming out and saw that Rainbow Rowell has a new OGN, like YA OGN coming out called Pumpkin Heads uh, with Faith Whoa. Aaron Hicks on art. And it looks incredible, and it's a hardcover OGN, which means it's gonna be ka-ching, ka-ching. And I don't have a library card, because that means I have to go to the Secretary of State's office to change my license, and ugh. So <laughs> now I have to go get a library card for this book. Um, so the, the premise is that there's two seniors in high school, Deja and Josiah, and every um, pumpkin patch season, they every fall they're working in a pumpkin patch together and are become seasonal best friends and this is their last year of it so they decide to like go out on a bang they might find love they might type girl like things might happen it's a rainbow rowl story so you kind of know how it'll go and i like that i like her stories and i am very Mm -hmm. very ready for fall themed stuff um I mm-hmm. did. I go to Home Goods and go pick up some uh, discounted Halloween decor already. You better believe it. Yes. So yeah, I'm ready, and it looks good. It has um, a the female lead is a person of color, which is nice. She always does a good job with representation. I yeah, I, there's just like you can't go wrong with her books. I feel like I know Mike. I noticed yeah. that you have a book by her on your list here too. So hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I Rainbow Rowell is, is blowing my mind. I pretty much fell in love with her Runaways run, and now all I want to do is read everything she's ever written because she like totally gets the drama of these types of stories, right? So and well, takes it and seriously. I just want to read more. Yeah, like yeah. doesn't so doesn't belittle the teenage experience, so to speak. Like that, right? Sometimes it can come off very like melodramatic, but like she's very conscious of like taking the struggles of young adults seriously um have mm-hmm. you read any of her like novels oh no it's i have all of them on kindle like i got some in, like two of them in a sale or something they are on my to read list right now i'm in the middle of reading some other weird young adult dystopian future stuff so once i get through that I'll, i'm gonna get to her stuff okay. i promise okay start with eleanor and park in my humble opinion Okay, I think you'll okay. I think you'll like that the best. I also really liked Fangirl, but like I think you'll like Eleanor and Park the best. Okay, um, yeah, I will. Kate, we'll have a discussion about this during we the will. break. Kara, what are you excited for this upcoming week? Okay, you're gonna make fun of me, but <laughs> I am uh, intrigued by Batman Superman number one because, like, okay, I okay, so. I went through a phase in, let's say, late high school through college, where at the back of my head, I was like, yeah, Batman and Superman, sexual tension. I see it. 
I see it. And then I was reading, and then like I think I saw like a web comic that was kind of like poking fun at the Batman Superman series from the mid two thousands for like really being subtextually like yeah they're definitely into each other right like they're bickering like a married couple right and so i went back and read the first like four volumes of that batman superman series and i was like yeah they're totally banging this is great so (laughs) oh my god (laughs) um i'm just saying it could work like well basically it's fun to ship batman with anyone because he's so like broody and angsty and you just really want him to work out that tension in a way that's not punching so um sex is an alternative and that's why he features in so many fanfics Mm -hmm, um but anyway so like superman's a nice counterpart to that because they're just like they're opposites, but they work together. But there's always kind of tension, and it depends on like what kind of universe. If it's like comics or the TV shows, to like depending on like how they meet and can they trust one another. And Batman's got that kryptonite ring, and like I don't know. Anyway, so like you see why this is obviously a ship that is intriguing to a lot of people. So right, there's a new book about them, and I'm reading the solicited. It ends with can they trust one another? I was like, can they bang? Like, is that what we're saying? This is reading into a whole new fan fiction right here. Like, I'm sorry. But that's all I think about when I see this. I'm like, I don't even know really what's happening in the DC universe right now. But I saw Batman Superman. It said something like spinning out of the events of this new, like, Joker thing. And everything's dangerous. And they have to, like, fight with one another. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are they going to get, like, trapped in a closet together or, like, a safe and they have to, like, hide and their, like, bodies are pressed up real close against one another and they have to be quiet so no one hears them. And then they, like, realize that, like, they're attracted to one another. I'm, like, I I realize that this is not what this book is going to be, but just the potential. Absolutely not. (laughs) But the potential. And if this inspires people to start writing more Batman Superman fan fiction, will I fault them? No. Will I read it? Probably. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so those of you out there who are writing um, Batman Superman fic, get at us. Anyway, we, we want to know. So here's that. Anyway, now you have my unfiltered thought process on my book of the week. <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah, we do. This this looks interesting. I mean, who's on this book? Is this the Frank Miller book? No, I don't think it is. Uh, no. I I didn't know that that's where you were gonna go with things. Sorry, this week, Kara. I'm just I'm just gonna say. That. Um, the creators credited are Joshua Williamson as the oh, okay. writer and uh, David Marquez as the artist. Oh, that's. That's a pretty solid combo. But yeah, this is spinning out of the, the Batman who laughs or whatever. I yeah. don't know. Batman fans, I don't know enough, guys. <laughs> I, yeah. we, none of mm, us know enough. Yeah, no. We're just trying to Sorry. have fun over here. Sorry, I'm just, but tell, let me just talk, saying. <laughs> let, me, let me talk about the comic that I'm excited for this week, which is Runaways number 24. This is Rainbow Rowell, Andre Genolet, and holy cow, what a pretty book. I think with the combination of Chris Anka that was starting this book, he's still doing covers, and Andre uh, Genolet's art in this book now, we have one of the prettiest books on the shelves as far as superhero comics are concerned. I think the expression and the emotiveness of Genolet's art is really, really impressive. Raul has done what I did not think was possible, which is somehow make the Runaways feel more angsty, more real, 
more like the characters that Brian K. Vaughn originally had started. And I'm not saying that it all depends on Brian K. Vaughn's writing, but this feels like a natural continuation. Like, like I don't know what if Vaughn like just brain dumped into Rainbow Rowell to make this work, or she just grasped the characters. And I think it's I think a lot she, more yeah, of the latter. I think she she gets totally. It. Yeah, she totally gets the characters, and I think this is exactly the type of genre fiction that she's used to writing, like angsty teens that are trying to figure things out, and they don't have all the answers, and they're, she's managed to take all of the drama of being a teenager uh, slash young adult and mix it in with the super heroics and the history of these characters and make it all work really well. Like, right now we're focusing on, like, humanizing Doombot, which is quite honestly something I didn't know I needed in my life, but the focus on Victor Mancha trying to help Doombot in this story is one that really just hits in a lot of spots because I, one, love the Runaways, two, love Victor Mancha's whole story, three, love Doctor Doom with stupid reverence, and this all just like mashes it all together in ways that I really, really like, so I can't wait for issue number 24. This is if I'm not being, if I'm being completely honest, it is the book that I read at whenever it comes out. It's the top of my pile every single time, even above X-Men sometimes. That's not a joke. Whoa. I read Runaways 23 before I read Hox Pox, any of that, whatever book came out that same week, because this series is that good. So, yeah, wow, I, that I'm says, so actually does say, I, Like, jokes aside, says a lot. I, truly, it truly does. Um I mean, but also I like you. I kind of got to get into like a different mindset when I'm reading these House of X and Powers of Ten books because like I need a like a little sip of bourbon. I need um <laughs> I need to go get a cigar. I have to put my feet up in a certain way. Like I got to mentally prep for those books. There's a lot to take in, so it's it's a whole other si- situation. But anyways, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about our Goodreads book of the month, which is Heathen Volume One by Natasha Alterisi. We'll be back in a second. Before we get into talking about our Goodreads book of the month, Heathen Volume 1, I have a couple things to announce. One, we had a zine that just came out pretty recently, and it is full of some fantastic stuff. Kate Lanfear put her blood, sweat, and tears, similar to the movie Matilda, into this thing. It's amazing. You can get that at ircbpodcast.com slash zines. Scroll all the way to the bottom. You can get our latest zine. Pick it up on Gumroad. It's awesome. We also have new shirts on our Public store. So if you want to get a really cool IRCB podcast looking shirt, it says I read comic books on it. It's amazing. Kara posted a wonderful picture of it the other day. You can get those at ircbpodcast.com slash shirts. And finally... We have another announcement. We are doing a live Discord hangout episode. Me and Brian are going to hang out on Discord. We're going to try to bring other people in. We're going to talk about comics. We're going to have a couple beers. We're just going to hang out for a bit. So if you want to come hang out with us, make sure you jump into our Discord chat. We're going to be hanging out with our Patreon people 30 minutes early. There's a link to our Discord in the show notes, so make sure you do that. It's August 30th at 9 p.m. Brian and I are going to be hanging out. It's going to be a good Friday night. 9 p.m. Eastern. 9 p.m. Eastern. That's, That's a good point. I forget that... This is a worldwide podcast. So, you know, it's August 30th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will be hanging out. But anyways, let's get into talking about our Goodreads Book of the Month, Heathen Volume 1. This is written and drawn by Natasha Alterisi with lettering by Rachel Deering. This is a big old book. This is a big old popular book. Kate and Kara, I want to know what you guys thought about this because I think we talked about Heathen many, many times on the show. 
but now we're focusing on it. We're doing a whole episode dedicated to it. What did you guys think? First, we're going to remember to say full spoilers for this book. Yes, full spoilers. Like like always with our Book of the Month discussions, but usually we remember to say that like 10 minutes in, so full spoilers. But oh my yeah, God. Yeah, full spoilers for now, numbers one through four. Oh yeah, because it's, I yeah, I guess I didn't realize it was only four issues because I read it like all at once, but oh my God, now I yeah. understand why you guys talked about this on the show so much. This comic is incredible. I loved it. Like to the point like, Read it in digital. Now I want a physical copy to sit on my shelf. I want to do that bad thing you do as a comics person where you have multiple copies. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Support your creators. Wait, Kate, was this the first time you read this book? Yeah, I hadn't read this before. <gasps> it had been on my to read list. Well, because I was doing my, you know, final year of my master's, I read barely any comics last in the uh. past like year. So. Yeah, and also, like, I was working extremely hard to do it uh, without taking out loans, so my comics budget was small. Uh, so new comics, when I did read, it was, you know, stuff I already had and stuff like that, uh, or from the library. So this this was on my radar, but um, I hadn't actually pulled the trigger yet, and I loved it. I The art, wow. The story, wow. My heart, Kaboom! It was oh. wonderful. <laughs> I read I, I read Heathen um, when it started coming out because uh, prior to is it through Vault Comics now? Yeah. It had a different yeah. distributor. It was like one of the Comicsology Submit Comics or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think I read the first. I I think it started reading at the first issue when it first came out, and I loved it so much that like the second the kickstarter for volume two went up i backed it at like an aggressive tier level and um at one point natasha altarisi was doing commissions so i got a commission and it's my wall my computer lock screen and every time i look at it i'm just so pleased and um just like everything about heathen volume one is just like it i don't even know who we can really compare it to creator wise in terms of the art or um the storytelling like i think the there's like a two or or four page sequence with these like wolf wolf spirits or wolves that are talking and that felt like some Mike Mignola scenes in Hellboy a little bit, but the rest of it, I was all oh, like, yeah. this is 100% original. Let's do this. You know, Lenny um, on the Goodreads group discussion of this uh, said that it reminded her of Neil Gaiman's characters or something out of Fables. And that is the Neil Gaiman aspect, I think, is what it felt like to me very much. Um, probably because I also read the his North Mythology book, but... In general, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. the story had a very Neil Gaiman-y vibe. Yeah, and I, I totally think that that's, there's a lot of influence there. I, I mean, I, I want to say Natasha, I think, did a really good job of adapting Nor- Norse mythology in her own way to make it work for her story, uh, where, you know, there's this idea of Odin, the kind of, like, patriarchal tyrant, who right. she kind of has it out for. She's like, hey, dude, you've you've kind of been a dick for a while, and I don't want to do that anymore like my life sucks and i think it's directly because of you (laughs) and i I don't want to say that she's completely driven by that i think like 
uh, Adis is the main character of this book. She is very much an, an independent person who's like, I don't care about the rules of law or whatever men think I should be doing. I'm just going to be the warrior that I was raised to be, um, which I, I think is a really cool like story in general. And I'm similar. I'm in the same boat as as Kara. I think I started reading this in like the first or second issue when it came out. I remember seeing the old Comixology submit cover for it and just being floored. And I was like, oh, cool. This is some Norse book that I can get into and it turned out that it was fucking incredible and I was subscribed to it and I was waiting for like every single issue to come out it was one of those books that I wanted to read a lot of as much as possible and it kind of it really like broke my heart when there was a lot of delays and there was yeah. issues because Natasha had some health problems and it's like god damn like what a, what an unfortunate situation for that but I mean nonetheless every issue that has been released has been stupendous and I think her getting picked up by vault has really breathed new life into this series Mm -hmm. and i think even even beyond like the first volume this story only gets better and better and this first volume sets such a precedent for like the scale and of of what the story is going to be but at the same time also grounds the character a lot like nothing feels super heroic everything feels like you know humanity struggle against you know the greater gods of the universe and to me, that's the coolest story in the world. That's the kind of stuff I love reading about. Um, this unbelievable, unimaginable power trying to be that is thwarted by humanity's ability to fight back. Uh, such a cool thing, and it, it it works on multiple layers. But from like a the just the the first look, that's that's what it is to me. I really really like that. I was I I had a different, a slightly different response reading this when it was first coming out versus reading it now for this discussion because i realized mm-hmm. when i was first reading it like the first couple issues we're seeing Adis being uh outcast from her village everyone thinks she's dead but her dad faked her death so she could get away uh because she was caught kissing one of her friends who was a girl and they were not down with that in this village and so she goes off on this quest to free uh, the Valkyrie warrior Brynhild from this like ring of fire that Odin traps her in. And at first when I, and I realized when I was originally reading this story, I thought that like, it was just going to be a subversion of the save the girl trope. Yeah. And she was yeah. going to like yeah. get Brynhild and they were going to like have an adventure together and end up together and then rereading it. This time around, I realize it's not about that at all. And Adis actually says specifically, like, hey, like, I'm not here to marry you. I just think this is fucked up that you're here in this situation. And us ladies have to stick together because Odin's a dick. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, feminism. Let's do this. So uh, I'm glad I reread because I have a better understanding of it now. Yeah, I, I had the same reaction, I think, in my, I think this is my third reading of it, um, especially with the amount of time that I left between reads. Uh, I think there's a there's a different scale to this story. Like, you'd think that it all gets, you'd think that it would all get wrapped up kind of in four issues, like, yep, the book's done, and if we can do more, we can. But I think with, you know, when Natasha was originally writing this, it was like, hey, I'm going to just publish this on my own and just keep pumping it out, whether or not people are buying it like in, in mass. I just want to make this book. Obviously, she wants to make money and she wants this to be like a profitable thing. But I don't think by any means she was trying to limit herself to say, we'll do one arc. And if the story keeps going, then it keeps going. But the end of issue four in this series is like, nah, son, you got to just 
read vol- or issue five. Yep. There's not like a nice <laughs> like cutoff that says the arc is over. Hell no. This book is way bigger than that. And the journey that, you know, Adis goes on is stupendous. But like, I remember reading, just rereading this, uh, this past week and seeing the end of issue one and issue two being like, oh no, there's not even like traditional comic book cliffhangers like she meant for this to just be a story you kept reading and i don't think that's bad in fact given the number of like number one issue cliffhangers that you get nowadays to hook you on the next thing you know we've been reading reading saga and i realized that almost every issue has one of those cliffhangers Mm -hmm. reading something like heathen that doesn't have a cliffhanger but i know the story keeps going is almost more compelling to me and of course i'm always going to flop back and forth on this you know i want a cliffhanger but then i don't want a cliffhanger but i think this was almost refreshing to come to something that was a compelling story but it didn't need the cliffhanger to keep me interested for issue number two and that's what I what I always feel like. Like I had that same feeling that I get with Saga of wanting to instantly read the next issue, which I was in the position to be able to. Um, so it was very, very readable as a trade, and that you just keep want to keep going. But it's because the story yeah. is so compelling versus needing some extra cliffhanger to to get that feeling. So I I appreciated that because I think Saga doesn't really need them either. Like. It just has them, <laughs> yeah. But like, you yeah. would want to keep reading very well, and so I like that. It's like, no, we don't need it. Not going to force it. Um, have multiple storylines going here now of like the arc of well, as Tom pointed out in the Goodreads group, Skull and Haiti have have such uh, Hattie Haiti. How do we pronounce that? I don't know. I think it's Hattie. 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 Um, probably yeah. They have a really interesting arc of their own, and for him, he was saying it upstaged the main character uh, plot line because they were, he was more drawn to that line than to Adis's. And I can see it. I it wasn't upstaging for me, but I can definitely see where that might be the one you're more into, um, depending on you know personal preference. Um, sure, because the whole thing. So it's very like. Very sweeping, it felt like to me, um, between the art being very open without like, you get that that kind of Icelandic feel of the, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? The whole book felt really cold. It, it felt yeah, like I was cold. shivering reading it. It's kind of barren. There's not a lot of detail in the backgrounds. The they're, Like you were saying, you don't get a lot of resolution with each thing. You just have to keep reading. It's just kind of this, um, that fantasy story, you know, the journey where you just keep going. Mm-hmm. I love this as a comic, but as you were just describing this mood and atmosphere of it, I'm like so clearly visualizing this as HBO's next Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, it could be. It'd be really good. Right. I'd love to see a Viking show that isn't just all about men slaughtering each other with axes. It's like there were other then things. Why am I even watching? Yeah, okay. <laughs> what am I watching for, Kate? <laughs> uh, no, I think. You know, it's what's interesting about this, I think some, you know, some folks brought this up on the Goodreads group and we've had whole episodes dedicated this, you know, is Adis's outfit. She's wearing like a almost like a chainmail bikini. Um, but I the thing I want to actually talk about is not necessarily her outfit, but her really super badass helmet that she wears. And I forgot, you know, I've been reading this book since it came out, but there's been so much time. Oh, the antler helmet. I forgot why she the, the helmet. Yeah. I forgot why she was wearing the helmet. And she's like, well, the Christians say that their devil wear has horns. And I figure I want to be scary like that devil. And I was like, 
oh, that's the coolest thing in the world. To me, that was the coolest thing. And it probably doesn't help that I just watched this uh, <laughs> this documentary called Hail Satan <laughs> with a question mark, all about the satanic church in the United States. But uh, I thought that was such a cool little moment, which, and also you all should watch that documentary. It's really cool. It's about how the Church of Satan actually does a lot of good for this country, um, in the United States at least. Uh, but still, it, <laughs> we'll get into it after the show. Okay. But uh, the thing I really, you know, I like that she she wants to be scary. She wants to be the intimidating warrior, um, if only because she is that warrior. It's just no one's maybe taking her seriously. But I think she proves pretty early on that she's capable as much as any man if not more than any man and it's not even about a comparison it's that she is this born true warrior uh and i i don't know like she holds true to that character throughout the whole series in this whole volume that's a very batman move that the becoming the thing that you fear mm-hmm. yeah 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 well yeah. i don't think it's the thing she fears i think it's she's like oh you guys find this scary Dope. It looks pretty cool. Right. I like yeah. it. Oh, yeah. like, that, that's what I meant to say. Like Batman's yeah. like, Cat- criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. I will frighten them. It's same thing. But yeah. like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. arguably cooler. <laughs> so what did you guys think of, you know, the overall art style of this book? Because I had some thoughts about it initially, but uh, I want to know what you guys thought first. When I went back, uh, the first couple pages of the first issue, I was like, oh, I don't remember this being this rough. But after I got like used to it after a page, I was like, oh, no, this is what I remember. And I'm like, so into the story and the fluidity of the character motion. There was just like one moment where I think Adis is like drawing back a, a bow and arrow and her elbows in the wrong place. And like, that was just something that was off to me. But beside that, I almost immediately plunged into the story and I think the kind of sketchiness of the art in places actually allowed for my brain to fill in the gaps of what was happening a little easier and make it read more like fluidity and motion as opposed to static standing shots I definitely think the uh horses were actually drawn a lot better than the people um I or or rather, I like oh, the yeah. style of the horses uh, more than I like the st- style of the people. Um, the hor- horses drawn realistically in comics, pe- uh, artists struggle with a lot. Usually, uh, you get interesting things happening to them in comics, um, and she does a fabulous job of having them at different angles, uh, doing different motions, very um, good. And then they're actual draft horses. Like, they're the horses that Vikings would have run around on, which I thought was really mm-hmm. um, nice. The much stockier horses. I mean, the colder the climate, the shorter and stockier horses uh, tend to evolve. So in climates like that, like, you don't get the horses that then you frequently see showing. Like, thoroughbreds aren't running around there. Like, they'd, they'd freeze to death. But um, yeah, the... Yeah. So I really like that. Saga was my favorite part of this comic. Um, he's beautiful. I love when he's like, no kicking. I understand you, God. <laughs> like, what? come on, people. Um, but I do just have a ten, like, fantasies with talking horses that are intelligent, like animals, like, ugh, gets me every time. That's such a, that's just a big old check mark in my, that I have <laughs> in my uh, brain. But yeah. The I there a lot of people on the Goodreads group commented on the color palette used and um, if it worked or not for them and 
what did you guys feel like about that? Well, I kind of touched on it, you know, and I think Kara mentioned this as well. You know, everything felt kind of barren and mm-hmm. cold. Like to me, all of the white that was around was like a representation of just the snowy atmosphere. And I realized that that's like a lack of color. But I think that, that was used in a way to create an atmosphere. I thought so, and, too. And I, I really like, you know, I think I agree with Kara. Like I didn't remember it being so rough in the beginning. But I think even just in the first four issues, you can see Natasha's art like her ability to draw everything get better and yeah, better and better and better for sure and i think even adis as a character becomes more defined as the issues go on you start to see more of her face and you start to get this more consistent look of the character and i, I think that's impressive it's super great but the the roughness of the book didn't really throw me off and i i know some folks talked about the muted color palette um i think it, lenny said you know the the muted color palette was kind of boring but i i thought that that was like a good way to show the harshness of wherever whatever viking land they were in and even when there was a lot of color there wasn't a lot of color you right. know like in the in the moment where adis has to jump through the fire to get to brynhild there's not like this drastic red color like you would probably expect to see it's like no this is holy fire this is a different kind of fire yeah um and it's all supposed to be representative and so there's a lot of heavy blacks and then everything else is really muted but i think that's just the tone of the book and as the series goes on i will say you know you do get more blues involved in the book and more dark grays that become more prevalent but um you know something like saga like the the horse is very defined because i think it's an the importance of a character in some ways right or or the wolves for instance are very very dark uh and i i think these are things to be like these are the super defining things of the book like the backgrounds don't necessarily need to pop into your eye because you're supposed to be focusing on characters and those are the things that are usually the most defined in the book um not just with color but with specifically with like line work and heavy inking Uh, and i know she does a lot of her work digitally so it's you know digital ink whatever but i think it was the mute, the mutedness of the color palette was specifically there to draw your eyes to the things that were most important. And I think later in the series, even in this volume, the things you're supposed to be drawn to with your eyes in the background are usually darker in color, um, typically like a dark gray or a, a brown or a blue. But uh, I don't know. It didn't bother me. I, I liked it a lot. I think like it just defined the book. Yeah, I thought so too. I the The only thing that threw me is... So you get that very snowy, stark sense with the uh, color palette and the what's drawn or not. But then the outfits, which we've talked about before, the and I don't mind. I don't know that I'm, I have feelings about the, the bikinis, but it throws <laughs> me slightly in that generally when you're um, in a very cold place, one of the things that gives you the sense of it being cold and snowy and stark is that they're bundled up in all their furs and all that stuff. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of scenes with like this big furry cape, like big warm cape, but then also the bikini. And so it's like, wait, is it cold or isn't it? I, my brain just kind of had to calibrate a few times on that. It's like the early 2000s when you could wear a tank top, but also a scarf. Yes. <laughs> it's all about the look. I, I took her wearing like the big coat and the, you know, the bikini as like when she's traveling, she's got this big coat around her. But when she's in a combat, you know, she's she's in her combat outfit. I don't know. That's that's weird. Red Sonia justification garbage. But uh, I, I don't think it was 
necessarily intended to be gazy if if that's what we're getting at because if you if you think about it like even some of the more powerful characters in this book like freya for yeah. instance you know F- freya is just hanging out with her titties yeah. like <laughs> she's she's just hanging out <laughs> and i'm not, not gonna care. no one's about to fight a god you know like that's she's the leader of the valkyries and yeah and it doesn't feel gazy because it's not like she's super busty um, for either of them. So it doesn't feel like that's where your attention's being drawn to the, um, when it's drawn, I, which is where I'm like, I don't mind either way. But in terms of like when we're talking about how the muted color palette and all that lends itself to that feeling, that was the thing that every now and then would make my brain hiccup going, wait, where are we again? So my kind of like you said, like with the whole Red Sonia thing, like it is uh outfit stereotype or trope to have like the barbarian woman not really wearing a lot of clothes so my interpretation then for this book is that the creator made a conscious decision to be like okay we're gonna do that but i'm gonna show you how to do it in a way that's not gross yeah so i I think that was more like drawing on this visual expectation for this type of book and women in this type of book and then subverting that by not making it be the in-your-face TNA focus. Absolutely. And like Danny commented on the Goodreads forum that he enjoyed the framing of the Viking Norse mythology because it gives him something familiar as well as providing a new point of view with the author's narrative. And I think that goes to that same point where it's like she took this very standard setting for, you know, the the barbarian woman and stuff and then just spun it and i think it's great made it a lot more interesting to me that's what i typically don't read those stories just because they're like very cookie cutter you know Mm -hmm. i mean and just just one final bit on this nancy had a great line that's uh, you know she, in the Goodreads group, she said the ladies were often uh, or talking about Northlands and things like that. She says the ladies were often very scantily clad, lithe beauties, and I, being pract- a practical lass, wondered why they wouldn't be cold or more battle worn. Then it dawned on me that guys aren't the only ones that can admire the female form. <laughs> <laughs> like, because <laughs> I mean, you yeah. think about it. Like this is this is your your queer Viking story. Like this isn't just written for you know, straight white dudes like me, this is written for a lot of people. And if you're going to take it that route, it's like there aren't, you know, I'm not the only person that's reading this type of book or my my demographic isn't the only type of person reading this book. And I think like on the whole, there, like Kara pointed out, you know, there isn't even the focus on TNA in this book. It's just there as part of the, the characters are. It's not necessarily focused on like you would maybe see in like superhero books or old old you know red sonia books and vampirella and things like that where you get close-up shots of someone's bust um or weird shots from behind someone's hip showing three quarters of the panel is just their butt like (laughs) we don't have that in this book like natasha isn't trying to make that the focus of the character on the page um so yeah it's whatever again we've got whole episodes we got two whole episodes talking about this go find them episode 119 i think and then we had a whole interview with natasha that we did on the show um a little while back for this is not an interview but beyond the character designs um what did you guys think of like are you going to keep reading this story i think it's an obvious yes but i guess what's drawing you to continue reading the rest of this series well and so that's what my first question was have either of you read past the volume one point um, I am. Oh yeah. I am waiting for volume two to be completed so I could just read it all in one go. Um, and on on rereading it, I realized like, you know, I 
I have always liked the main character of Adis, but on this reread, I really, really liked Brynhild and Sigurd's little mm-hmm. side plot that's going yeah. to be developing into something else. Like, si- like I, I'm not super familiar with Norse mythology, but in this story, I warmed to both Brynhild and Sigurd almost immediately. So I think that's just really excellent character work done on the on the part of Natasha Altarisi to be able to draw the reader in almost immediately to be like okay even if you don't know the backstory of these characters you know right away who they are like as people and you're already rooting for them and you want them to be together and over yeah and get their own way mm-hmm. and i just i i really was surprised almost by how quickly i attached to those characters yeah i've been reading this like religiously almost since it came out as well as beyond the issues that were just published on Comixology Submit when things got picked up by uh, Vault Comics I had like pre-ordered all the issues and I've been reading it single issue to single issue um, as they come out. Would you say that you've been reading it since before it was cool? Fuck yeah I would. <laughs> yes we're hi- we're hipsters about Hip- heathen. Hipster okay. Mike? Yes okay yeah. I get one thing to be cool about and it's having read hit you know heathen before it was cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know I think there was it's it's weird and this is maybe me looking at things with like some hindsight bias or whatever but uh, I feel like when this book dropped it was a big deal. Yeah. I feel like something someone somewhere made a post or wrote a review or maybe comiXology just featured this because it's fucking awesome um but i feel like even when issue one came out there was a lot of buzz around this book and then when vault picked it up there was even more buzz around it because it wasn't just natasha putting it together herself and i think she was working with a smaller publisher actually before that but working with vault and getting the press that vault likes to do for all their books um meant like an even bigger push And so many people who are getting into comics, I think, pick this volume up. And a lot of really good comic book shops and other people push this book a lot. It's like, hey, if you're looking for something that's, you know, Vikings and it's queer and it also features people of color Mm -hmm. and all this stuff, it this is the book that checks a lot of those boxes and it's super solid. Now, it's been slow going for a bit because like I said, you know, Natasha had some health issues and like the book kind of slowed down and took a big break even after it came to vault. But uh, now they have a new new artist on the book. So Natasha's going to be doing the writing and this other person uh, whose name I don't have top of my head uh, will be doing the the uh, art for it. And I've seen the latest issue that features her art and it is in the same vein. It feels natural. It doesn't feel like a massive shift. Um, I think this new artist is really trying to adapt her style. She used to do work on the Tomb Raider series. So I don't know if anybody read the Tomb Raider comics, um, but she was like the key artist for that book for a while. Okay. And I think under, like knowing how the Tomb Raider series worked, and I think those books were actually pretty well done. Um, her art style is fantastic for those. It like is a natural fit for her to come on board for uh, the rest of Heathen. And I think that they're going to be working together until this story concludes, which I think is at issue 24. I think Natasha said that there is an end to this book, but don't quote me on that. I think there's a Patreon post or something like that from her about it. Man, I think I'm definitely going to trade weight with any... That it gets into the same reason I trade weight image um, books because the, the printing schedule throws me off and I completely understand and appreciate. I mean, I... God, health issues are such a mood. But... Um, yeah. I I like with this type of story to be able to sit and read it in one go. And I find myself, even when I'm pulling the singles that I, like Kara was saying, end up 
holding off on reading them until I can read a bunch at once. So I think my master plan is going to be to uh, pick up volume two when it comes out and get it in physical. And that will be my excuse to, oh, well, you can't just have volume two in physical. You have to have volume one then in physical. So then I'll have to buy it. Oh, no. Maybe I'll start having like a policy where for every comic I bring in, two have to go out. That'll be the Ooh. new, that'll be my incentive. Ooh, Ooh that's that a sounds real, scary. I, harsh. Was, I was talking um, to my my new boss, my my lab PI, and uh, about the book issue, and uh, it's like you got to do the Marie Kondo thing. You know, have you have you seen that show? You should watch that show. And I'm like, yeah, but then you pick it up, and you're like, does this bring me joy? Yeah. Like yeah, effort, but that's the all point. Of them, all of them the bring me joy. <laughs> it's not about minimalism. It's about editing your life. So yeah. if all of your comics bring you joy, that is okay. True. True. So yeah, I guess you know everyone should read this book. I guess. <laughs> so sorry, I I misspoke. I, I saw preview pages for this book um, with the new artist. I have issue number eight features Natasha's art, but I think this new artist is starting on the next arc, which is issue number nine, because their volume two contains issues five through eight. Number eight just came out on July thirty first, and I still cannot find the name of this artist. It is killing me. I promise I will find it and put it in the show notes. I'm so sorry, but uh, yeah, I I'm so glad that we picked this for Goodreads. This is. I think one, a long time coming, and two, like, it's just a stupendous comic book to read and discuss. And it seems like a lot of people enjoyed it, and there was a big discussion about it on the Goodreads group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, overall, solid pick, everybody. So good job, Goodreads folks out there. We appreciate you. You guys did well. You voted on a solid book. Woo. I was hoping so hard that this was going to be the winner. You know, you always have your, your favorite horse in the race for those polls, and I was very oh, happy yeah. when this one won. Same. Uh, yeah, I guess, well then, do you guys have any final thoughts about Heathen before we wrap things up? Go read it's it. wonderful. Yeah. It's great. Please read it. Please support the creator. Yes. Well, cool. Then, you know, let's wrap this episode up. Don't forget to grab a zine. Don't forget to grab a t-shirt. Don't forget to hang out with us on August 30. We've got all that stuff coming up. But you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Kara at Kara S. Sam. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. And you can follow the show at IRCP Podcast where we post things. I retweet things all the time that I think people should check out. Kickstarters and news articles and goofs and gaffes about comic books and uh we also have an instagram where i try to post regularly when i'm not shirking all responsibility <laughs> you can subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash ircb podcast because without your support this show wouldn't survive join us now for access to exclusive audio and articles early access to top of my pile posts and more and our goodreads group which you know of because this whole episode is about our goodreads group is a lovely community of comic friends and we have a weekly thread check it out at ircbpodcast.com slash goodreads you can also find us at ircbpodcast.com with the pronunciation guide and merch please remember to rate and review our show and we'll read your review on an episode of the show we have over 200 episodes we should have 200 reviews says mike says me email the show Here, here. Uh, email the show with what you've been reading, recipes, corrections, and all that. Uh, Mike's lonely. Loves hearing from you on his travels. IRCBpodcast at gmail.com. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They just had a new album come out, and you guys, it is so good. Whoop, whoop. They do the music for our show, and we cannot thank them enough for letting us use their music. Xander, 
is a true wizard, a great friend, and a guy that gives really good hugs. Next time you see him, give him a hug. He also edits the show. He's fantastic. I want to say thank you to Kara and Kate for being on the episode. Thank you to all the Goodreads folks out there. Thank you to all the people who have been hanging out with us on Discord while we play video games or just hang out and chat every once in a while when I have time and I jump on. You guys are amazing. Thank you to everybody who subscribed and rated and reviewed and done all the amazing things for the show. You guys are amazing. So until next time, comic books are good and so are you. at dumb shit on the internet guys same help no same <laughs> huh. um for example if you're driving a tesla and it gets stolen is it now an edison <laughs> oh god <laughs> um as someone who works mere miles from the tesla factory let me say yes <laughs> There's a, a thing I saw from uh, a screen cap from Tumblr, and it says, My favorite part of Rocket Man, like the Elton John mm-hmm. movie, was during the quiet emotional parts when Elton was at his lowest, and you could hear Godzilla scream from the theater next door. <laughs> <laughs>